this week's episode, we finally have some good news for PlayStation 3 and Vita owners. Soldier Boy is at it again with a new handheld he claims is going to change the world. And the Pie Packer, the best way to play couch co-op virtually with all your friends online, heads to Kickstarter. Welcome to episode 16 of the Retro Gaming Dads podcast, the weekly podcast for everything retro and retro-inspired. I'm Anthony, and tonight I'm joined by Barry and Phil. Hello. Hiya, guys. First of all, how does it feel to be a dad yet again? It feels fantastic. I actually did feel a lot more rested this time. I don't know how that came to be. I don't feel like I was anywhere near as tired. I don't think it's going to last. No, I don't think so either. However, so this is our first daughter out of our three children, and she's sleeping really well, thankfully. She sleeps most of the day and most of the night so far, but it's only like day two. So we'll see how it goes. In all fairness, my son done the exact same. And now at half six every morning, all I can hear is him going, Mummy, Daddy, are you getting go to bed yet? Oh, we don't get that luxury anymore. We just get charged, jumped on. And then the question is, Daddy, Mummy, can I go on the iPad? See, I think thankfully my kids sleep sort of till seven o'clock, so... I have a little bit of reprieve there, I guess. Hopefully, you'll be able to squeeze in a little bit more Doom before the end of the month. Yeah. How are you two getting on with that? Well, I have been to squeeze a bit more in. I, I, I've completed it three times now. Done it on the DOS version, the Xbox version, and the 32X version. Nice. I feel dying a lot in the last chapter. I haven't played that much of it because of everything going on. So... My next week is to That's no pick it up and go through it a bit more. Don't you start. <laughs> Listen, you know, I, had time I would sit there, give your daughter one of your controllers. It's local co-op. Absolutely or, suitable for a newborn baby. <laughs> yeah, my three-day-old daughter. His controller, we're playing Doom. Hey, start as you mean to go on. What you need to learn to do is play with your feet. I'm not going to be a monkey. <laughs> I'm not playing my feet. Didn't you say you played with your feet at some point, Phil? Well, yeah. Yes. Phil used to play Fancy Star Online too with his feet. While yeah, feeding my son. He makes it sound out like it was this great feat of dexterity. It weren't because I could tell when he was doing it because his character was just running against the wall for 20 minutes. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Well, I suppose we should actually talk about some video games. And since we started with a bit of good news, so we haven't actually said it officially, but congratulations, Anthony. Yes, congratulations. Thank you very much. And it is just congratulations this time. No smarky remark from me. Thank you. I appreciate that too. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. But you just have to say something. We've got some more good news, haven't we? Oh, flipping it. Sony for once. It's we said before we felt bad about always bashing Sony, but for the I think for the first time in our podcasts, we can say something positive. Yes, for the first time in 17 episodes. We are being positive about Sony. Hooray! Um, PlayStation 3 and Vita stores are no longer closing. Which is good news. And it's certainly a reprieve for people who want to pick up some of those gems that are sat on the PlayStation stores. Absolutely. It's a bit ironic that we've just released, or just about to release, a Patreon-exclusive episode talking about the must-have games from the PlayStation stores before they shut. And just before we put it up, 
unfortunately, oh, for us, but fortunately for everyone else, Sony makes this U-turn. I know. Yay, shocking. Good on Sony, though. I mean, it's nice that they've listened to the fans, but you've got to ask is, why did it take so much backlash for them to realise that, you know what, perhaps preserving the history of our system and our games is a good thing? Well, I think one thing we've got to, if I'm honest, realise, and we've heard from him himself before, um, Drim Ryan has said before that he doesn't understand why people want to play older games you know they didn't understand why you know people want retro and that sort of games because it's like everyone buys a new console why should i play an older game um and i'm guessing that was the reason why i was closing it but like you said there was so much backlash so much coming about it back against him he's done a u-turn which we're surprised about really aren't we i must admit i see this as just absolutely two-faced that he's oh, then come out and said that he's glad they're doing this to keep a piece of PlayStation's history alive. Yeah. I think this is one of those things where it strikes at the different leadership styles. Jim Ryan is very much a businessman first who looks at the gaming market as a business perspective, whereas Phil Spencer is a gamer who looks at it from a gamer's perspective. Yes, I definitely think Sony would do phenomenally well if they got someone like an analog to Phil Spencer. Yeah. Yes. Because let's face it, just think of the depth of the PlayStation back catalogue that they've got. Oh, God. More so than Microsoft. God, yeah. I mean, we, again, listen to the podcast for the full details, but we talked about some absolute gems from the, the history of PlayStation. Now, obviously, I wasn't in this um, podcast that you recorded because you were doing Yeah, this... you were too busy, like, giving birth or something. I was a hostel with my wife and she was giving birth. <laughs> I know. Choosing his wife over us. Uh, always happens. Yeah, but what he's not actually saying is while she was giving birth, he was there playing Hyrule Warriors. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Did you, did you, played it did you not send us a picture of your setup in the hospital for playing Hyrule Warriors? Yeah, yes no, that's no. very true. I'm, I never yes. said I did. There we go. That's that's all anyone needs to know. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we all saw the picture of him in the delivery room playing co-op with the doctor. What? Actually, <laughs> uh, no. I played uh, Mario Kart with Esther quite a few times. That doesn't sound stressful in the slightest. Just what you want for your pregnant wife as she's about to give birth. Here, let's play the most stressful game in existence. <laughs> hey, she has to play it. I wasn't, you know, saying no. I obliged. Yeah. But the, see, the thing is, Kerry asks to play Mario Kart with me. Unlike you, I'm not stupid enough to say yes. Because and then every single time. No, the thing is, we play Mario Kart and we play teams. So she'll always me over right on the finish line <laughs> so then it's oops i accidentally slowed down and used the blue shell on you at the finish line and it just escalates from there and by the end of like doing a four race cup we're just not talking to each other anymore i mean that's a pretty much standard night of mario kart yes so yeah i mean the fact that it took so much of a backlog though from to realize just how much they are screwing up by not caring about the back catalogue. And they already knew this, considering how they've had to shoehorn in backwards compatibility almost, it feels, into the PS5 because of obviously Microsoft doing it. 
in all fairness, the Xbox 360 had a similar sort of backwards compatibility where it only worked with selected Xbox yeah. titles. So I don't know if it's necessarily shoehorned in. I've got a feeling they'll probably have it that way so they can select what games are backwards compatible. I think when I say shoehorned, I mean it feels like it was never planned initially, but they've added it because of what Microsoft were doing rather than it being planned from the start. That's more what I mean by shoehorned rather than the way it's been done. Microsoft announced the forward compatibility with accessories and games like five years prior to the new consoles even coming out no absolutely and that's where we got that that gem of if you want to play older games well that's this isn't the console you know this isn't the console for you this is for new games from jim ryan came around didn't it you'd have thought that after the backlash that xbox one got because they were saying weren't they that they weren't going to do which ones were they saying they weren't going to do backwards compatibility? I'm sure there was one that was said. Originally, they said the Xbox One wouldn't have backwards compatibility with the yeah, 360. Yeah, I thought so. Because the architecture was different. So the 360 was PowerPC based. The Xbox One was x86 based. Yeah. And it was it was probably a good three, four years after the launch of the Xbox, I think, that we started getting... Xbox 360 backwards compatible titles and then another year or two after that that we got original Xbox backwards compatibility titles. But if you think about how much of a road they went down to make sure to make that happen, you know, yes. they never said it wasn't going to happen. They never said that chance is coming. They, you know, said give no, us time. At one basically. point, Microsoft did say it will not come. So yeah, And then there was the backlash and then they said... Well, I think the big thing is Don Matrick went. Yes, and, and I don't think it was so much a backlash. I think it was more the falling behind the PlayStation 4. And they were like, what can we push to show that we're different from our other competitor to carve out a niche? I guess it was a good way to bring the 360 players across, wasn't it? To then add back compatibility on and bring them across onto the one. Perhaps, but I don't think that was the primary reason. By no, the time they'd done it, the Xbox 360 had all but dried up in terms of new games. Yeah, it was It was more so that Microsoft could say, look, this is what we're doing for the fans. This is why you should choose Xbox, you know, because we show that when the next generation comes, everything's going to be supported. You know, you're, we're putting our arms around you and everything you own, you'll be playable, much like a PC. Well, it's a bit like the Xbox Series S and X. They promoted that as launching with a back catalogue of over a thousand games on day one. Yeah, it's the the CMOS stuff is still a concern. It's still potentially something that could happen. It's nice though that they've actually turned around and said, "You know what? We got this wrong. We're going to keep them open." Obviously, the PSP store is still going, but I don't think that was anywhere near as big an issue as the PlayStation Three in particular. The PlayStation Portable is still losing its store, which, in all fairness, at the moment, it all but has lost. I do believe a lot of those PSP games will still be available, though, through the Vita store to play on the Vita. So they won't necessarily be lost. You just won't necessarily be able to buy new titles for your existing PSP. Yeah, and I don't don't think the PSP 
as a digital store was quite as prevalent as the PlayStation 3 and, and Vita in particularly? Um, no, but don't forget the PSP does have a digital-only console. True, very true. Um, I do believe you'll still be able to buy the games, though, through a PS3 or a PS Vita right. and still download them to the PSP. That's my understanding, at least. And obviously, the other good news about the store staying up is with all these issues about the CMOS battery dying, or as the internet has now named it, because let's face it, the internet needs to name everything, this C-bomb. I'm, su- I'm surprised it weren't called CMOS gate, to be honest, but <laughs> everyone's calling it C-bomb. This is going to at least hopefully see some of those cancelled, or those Vita games where they'd started work and actually got the dev kits they can at least potentially still be bringing those out there is a bit of a worry though because obviously if they've cancelled them and moved them on to another game you know are they going to want to put the money resources back into something they cancelled you've got to bear in mind as well sony haven't given a length of time that this is going to be up so i would be worried as a developer especially one that's only just received a development kit oh yeah Definitely. Do I still try and push for it to be on the Vita, or do I just cut my losses, move it across to the Switch? Yeah, that's yeah. The other question as well is the Kickstarter campaigns that have had all the refunds and everything on the back of it. Yes, it's it's a lot of messing around for developers. You know, yeah. Oh, it's being cancelled. No, it's not. It's it's extremely uncertain. There's uncertainty behind it all. At least if you know if you push it across to. The PlayStation, uh, sorry, to the Nintendo Switch, you've got a much bigger install base for a start. And you know that store's going to be up for at least, I don't know, another three, four years. Yeah. Well, because even if they do release a Switch Pro, I reckon they'll still use the same store, so it could be up even longer into the store. Yeah, I would imagine if, the, if it's a revision of the current hardware, it is going to be the same store. Yeah. Maybe titles on the store that only work on the newer revision, if they do make one. But it would be the same store. It'd be nice to see Nintendo take the same sort of approach to Microsoft and show a bit of love for their back catalogs and the availability and the like. Well, we have with uh, Nintendo Switch Online, because they've given you uh, access to games from the Super Nintendo and stuff like that already. So yes, you but you've got to remember sort of that we had the virtual console. You could play Mass System, Mega Drive, um, Turbo Graphics, NES, SNES, Nintendo 64 titles. Uh, for example, like not long ago, Mario 3D All-Stars went off sale. Mm. On the Nintendo Wii, you could pick up Mario 64 for like £89, I think it was. So they, they have in the past shown a lot of love to all these old titles but the fact that you can't easily bring these forward to new consoles like you could bring them forward to the wii u when that came out or you couldn't then transfer them from the wii u across to your switch and there is only a limited number of titles available as nintendo online members yeah um and it's only for two systems the nes and the snes yeah, no, you are right. And it's just a shame to me that they haven't looked to try and do the same approach as Microsoft have done with their game library. Yeah. That is definitely one thing Microsoft are doing right right now. 
So, obviously, we've gone through, thankfully, having something positive uh, from Sony. They're no longer cats in the stores. So, you know, it's good they've listened, but it's just the uncertainty around it all does make me nervous. Yes. I think this last generation or two has shown possibly the unwanted future that we're heading towards because it has also come out as well as the playstation 3 and 4 having these issues playing digital and in the case of playstation 4 physical titles once these servers go down it also appears that both the xbox series s and x and the playstation 5 will suffer the same fate so i wasn't aware of this on the xbox i'd heard about it being an issue on the PlayStation 5, though. So what is it with the, the CMOS battery that causes the same problem with the Xbox? It's nothing to do with the CMOS battery. Right. What it is, is on the Xbox Series S and X, when you first pop a game in, it will go online and it will authorize that game for you. So if there's no server, apparently, it can't authorize it. You can't play physical games. Right. If you've played the game on the console before you should be able to play indefinitely, regardless of the state of like any sort of time being kept on or not. But for the first initial time, it would need an online connection. I'm surprised this hasn't appeared as an issue already for people that don't have an internet connection or didn't want to connect to the internet. Well, for those people, we they had another system, the Xbox 360. <laughs> um. I remember a friend of mine who they had a similar sort of issue to what we're speaking about now with the Xbox One, where he had no internet for a while because they were changing whatever we call it down the road, and um, he couldn't play online. He couldn't play his games at all, sorry, because he needed the connection, and so he'd have to tether his phone, get the connection on, get it authorized, and then disconnect it from his phone to play the game. And don't forget, quite a few games now require that online connection regardless anyway. It's true. That is very true. How many times have you tried to play on your own on Division and if your internet goes out, just boot you out the game? Yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously being online is a much, much... Or being offline, I should say, is a much rarer thing nowadays. It, it is. I, I make a joke about it, but it's it's not a joke at all. If my internet goes down, I will just go to bed. There, there is nothing to do. I used to be like that. So, some would say play with my son, but nah. <laughs> when I've been when I've been traveling and I've been in hotel rooms and the internet's been particularly shoddy, I will just crawl up and go to bed. <laughs> so, there's only two things to do when there's no internet: eat and sleep. Yep. Yes. TV is not normally great. I say this. This is a unfortunate direction that consoles are going in the future however there is a bit light at the end of the tunnel soldier boy is here to save us with his new console oh and it very likely does not require a persistent connection to the soldier online services to actually work mainly because i don't believe they exist in all fairness i don't believe this console exists (laughs) it's certainly not been made by him Uh, that's a very shoddy way he's done it well, this new console, which, in his own words, he has built from scratch an all-new design, all-new games, all-new deals, whatever that means, and 
he fi- he says, let's make history. Are you infused about this console? The greatest release of this year? No. Yeah, neither am I. <laughs> I mean, no. it's an overpriced Android device that's probably not going to have the titles all legally uh, registered and licensed. What all new games could he possibly mean? I don't know. He's 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 probably expanded right. from NES to SNES games or something similar. That's I mean he's just plagiarized games, surely. No, he hasn't plagiarized games. That would assume that he's like made his own games and just ripped off other games. He's I'm fairly certain he's just wholeheartedly stolen these games. <laughs> what he's probably gonna do, because he's been in a bit of trouble with Nintendo and they uh, they nicked his website and everything from him. Yes, unfortunately, that website no longer points to Nintendo.com. <laughs> I had a look earlier. It's actually now up for sale. Well, I, I have a feeling that this is probably going to be filled with Sega's games. Oh, innovative. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's let's get around Nintendo being, you know, being in trouble with Nintendo and Nintendo coming after us. We'll try someone else. Yeah, that, that could be it. That could be the all new games. Yeah. Well, his new console is $200. It's on on sale or you can actually get this at the moment it's available on amazon in the uk for 239 pounds 99 just think you could buy a switch and a game or you could buy this pile so i'm gonna throw devil's advocate here oh do you start kind of He's already backpedaling and he hasn't even said what he was going to say. Not really enough as advocate, actually. No, it's it's terrible. You could potentially get an Android phone for that kind of money. Did it actually be all right as a little gaming device? Right. You could yeah. this. It's an Android phone that costs me forty pounds and a controller that costs me sixty or seventy pounds. And basically it turns it into a Nintendo Switch sort of device. My point was more about Android devices, though, than Soldier's device. I would avoid that one like the plague, because it's going to be... Yeah. I was going to say, that is... It's basically an Android phone, but without the phone part. And That's what I mean. Sorry, don't you mean you would avoid anything by Soldier Boy, like the plague? Not just a device. Wait, is it, he's a musician, but it's not my kind of music, I don't think. So probably, yeah. yeah. Anything by him. I, I can only think of one, one uh, Soldier Boy song Soldier in Boy, all fairness. Give me, uh, <laughs> crank that. Yes, that's what that's I could be. And I only know that because it's on a dance central. I'll take Xbox. your words for it. It's probably about as far away from the kind of music I listen to as, as potentially can be. Bear in mind, this is described as being built from scratch with an all new design. The same device can be found on AliExpress for between 80 and $100. The thing is, though, he's going to sell bucket loads of them. I hope not. It's just because of the name. He apparently did post a tweet saying that one of his previous consoles had sold millions of units. I can't see it selling that many. No, I can't. But uh, let's just say he's buying the AliExpress for $100, doing a little bit of work on it, totaling, even being generous, another $20 worth. Which, which is how he is. I doubt that as well. He's still potentially making eighty dollars thereabouts per yes. console. So even if he sells a thousand of them, 
the thing is, this isn't even the first one of these that he's done. He's done at least four or five and got in trouble each time. The only reason I think is he keeps doing it is because he's making money from it hand over fist. He's got too much money to burn and doesn't care. Well, perhaps he's got no money and hence why he keeps going back to this to try and get a little uh, cash injection. <laughs> on the side. But, yeah, so we won't put this in the show notes where to get this because the device itself isn't that great looking at reviews for it and if you really want it, you, you can find it elsewhere for easily half the price. That will spend the money on it. A- Spend the yes. money on a decent Android phone and a decent Android controller for it. and Exactly. And you've got a more useful device straight away. Yeah. yeah. There are uh, a lot better a options for the money you've buy got. Buy a Switch or for this price, you could buy an Xbox Series S. I was about to say, £10 more, we'll get you an S. Exactly. Yeah, but you can't exactly pick up your S and take it on the bus with you. Probably can't with this. No, it's probably but... a fire hazard. <laughs> well... <laughs> There is that. While we're talking about consoles and retro games, whether or not they're legally obtained, Pie Pack has finally hit Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, 5pm this evening it was. Was yes. it 5pm this evening? Yes. Yeah. Well, is that our time? 5pm? That's our time, yeah. Well, that means in about five hours, they've already got £40,000. Towards the target of £54,000. I mean, it's an interesting idea. And I can see the approach they're going with. So they're going to have two tiers at the minute. Basic and premium. Basic being free. Yes, so this is the subscription tier. Not the tiers to the Kickstarter. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Tiers tiers to the subscription, not to the the actual Kickstarter. Yes. I've got to say, I actually, depending on how they do it, I like the idea. So the basic package is going to be you can play their games on their server. It's free. It's a the basic package. And you need the premium one to be able to bring your own games, have private servers and the like. It's an interesting way of doing it. And I think it's probably the right way of doing it for them. I think it's a good idea. I think this would have been much better had they managed to bring it out last year, especially after the year we've had. Oh, God, yeah. The ability yeah, to play your old retro games online with friends and see them in a live video feed. I I think that's going to be quite appealing. Yeah. I mean, even over the past month, we've played a few games of Doom using um, Parsec. Parsec. That was a bit fiddly to set up, to be honest. A little bit fiddly to set up, and there was a little bit of latency at the start, but once it was up and running, it played fine. I would like to play something like this where... We could have four player micro machines online because we always we know how much yeah. fun we had with that game. <laughs> I can still remember what happened to you at that one race <laughs> with the uh, little lift going across the sponge across the sink. Yeah, and I, I made it. I was like, "Yes, I've made it!" And then I was like, "Oh no, I'm going back." And Phil just bumped me off the sponge. I was like, "Ah, oh. accelerated too soon. Should have drove off the other side to get me points." Yep. But no, to be able to play these games online, um, like we do anyway with our normal games, would be a lot of fun. It'd just be nice to try and get as close to that couch co-op experience as we can. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's not going to be the same, but it is probably about as close as you're going to get virtually. Uh, Absolutely. So 
for those that haven't seen it or haven't listened to our previous podcast episode where we discussed it, it's an online service where you can play a range of indie and retro games. Any multiplayer games, you can actually send a link out to a friend and they can jump straight in. You can have a little video call going at the same time and you can just play some games. If you want, though, they are going to sell a piece of hardware that allows you to port different inserts in for different systems. So the Goro launch with an NES, a SNES, and a Mega Drive or Genesis adapter. So you can actually bring your own Super Nintendo, Mega Drive, or NES titles along, slap them in, boot up a game, invite your friend who can play directly in the browser, and have, I don't know, a two-player game of Streets of Rage 3. It's a cool idea. The fact that it's all browser-based means that you can run this on a variety of different systems. So it's going to be really accessible. I like the idea that they've gone down where you don't have to pay for it. You know, you know, it's good that they've got both options where you've got premium members yeah. who will pay for it and use it. Um, but then if you want to play online and say you've got a friend who you don't play with often, might not purchase it, they can jump on and join for free without having to pay anything to go into it. Yes. I, I yeah. think that's going to be absolutely vital to getting people into this. Yeah. Um, I would imagine the free tier is also going to be ad-supported in some way. Most likely. And I can understand it if it is. I mean, yeah. they've got to make money somehow. Yeah. And to be fair to them, some of the games that are actually in the, the, the basic package are absolute gems. Yeah, there's, there's some genuine old games like X2, Sensible Stalker, Earthworm Jim 2. And then you have got some more modern, retro-inspired and indie titles. Micro Mages. That, that looks a pretty interesting game. There's a brilliant video on YouTube of how they made the game and fit the entire title into 40 kilobytes of storage. Wow. If anyone wants to watch that, I'll leave a link in the description. There's also Xeno Crisis. That was released a few years ago on the Mega Drive, and that's making an appearance here as well. So there's a variety of games. Let's say, I believe they're advertising 60 games at launch. Yep, 60 plus yes. games at launch. Um, but that's only the games that they give. Yeah. Do you know, I was just having a quick look through at the different tiers they have. Um, there is a lot of tiers. A lot, a lot of tiers. Yes. Um, and they're also only for the time where you can place and back them, you can become an infinite member. So you pay whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of lifetime pay. subscriptions. Um, it's only after the first tier. So the first tier hasn't got a lifetime after that. They all do. Uh, Not from- all of them. So there's a few tiers. For example, the $100 one where you get the reader doesn't include yes, a lifetime sorry. subscription, but the $160 one does. Yeah. Um, now, I was just having a quick look through tiers, and you can see how many backers are for them all. There's one that is $10,000. Now, that one hasn't got a backer on it. Uh, there's only two of them. They're limited. Yes. Uh, there is one that is for $1,500, which actually has one backer so far already. Wow. Which I was like, flipping heck. Uh, that comes to about £1,072. I've got to admit, though, the $10,000 one, particularly especially if you're in America, actually isn't terrible value. If you want to 
two-week trip to France. I'm pretty certain that you could actually find it a little bit cheaper than $10,000. Yeah. You do get to help design a game. You get a lot of credits in the title. You get your own private Discord, back your channel. There's an awful lot of perks. A lot of them are digital. All right. Yeah. One that is pretty cool that I'm reading here is a team member status where you get to try all the upcoming games before anyone else. Yeah. I do, I do think probably the most popular ones are either going to be the $90 for the lifetime premium or yes. possibly the $160 tier where you get the reader plus two adapters plus the yeah. lifetime membership. Which, considering what you're getting, that's actually not a bad price. No. Although they are limited. So the 160 tier, I'm just on the look now, which is about £115. Yeah, it's limited to 200 and 99 of them have already been snatched up. Yeah. Wow. I might look at maybe backing it. If anyone out there is thinking about it, I certainly would say know the risks going into Kickstarter. Yeah. Because it, it could come out perfectly fine, but, or it could just not come out. Or it could come out like Mighty Number no. 9 and you just don't have a box that fits the manual. Yeah, still salty. <laughs> <laughs> You've not heard him. No, it, it looks interesting. Anyways, to play classic games on modern hardware as well, it's it's always appreciated. Yeah, it's a nice way to bring some old classics to modern, you know, devices very easily. So, with us talking quite a lot about hardware this episode so far, perhaps we should move on to talking about some new software that's coming up. Yeah, so a number of titles have got trailers over the last couple of days and the first one that caught my eye was the latest wonder boy monster world 4 trailer i know that you've played wonder boy and monster world um, yep. Phil. um that personally is one of my favorite mega drive titles well this is a remake of the direct sequel to that which was never on the mega drive at least never released outside of japan it did come with a collection on the playstation 3 and the xbox 360 though but I haven't played an awful lot of it, so I am looking forward to it. And the artwork looks pretty nice from what I've seen as well. Yeah, it's it's like a 3D cel-shaded style. Yeah, and it looks nice enough. I must admit, I was hoping it would be similar to the Monsters Lure remake from a few years ago. Well, that artwork was beautiful, let's be fair. I mean, it that, was honestly, that and some of the Shantae games are some of the best 2d games i've ever seen i myself i've only played dragon's trap um and i did quite enjoy that and i would like to play some of the other games as well so this might be one that i might look into playing as well if you do want to play any of them xbox 360 backwards compatible you can pick up three of them for i think it's like seven pounds okay it's definitely worth it but yeah this is due for release on the switch and the playstation 4 and should be coming out later this year. We haven't got an exact date. But, yep, definitely one I'll be keeping an eye out. Yeah, shame there's no Xbox version by the looks of it. Yes, unfortunately. Maybe in the future, I I don't know, but don't look like Xbox gamers are getting any love with this one. Sadly not. So We've also had a new trailer for the Ninja Turtles game, Shredder's Revenge. This looks great. Yeah, so... This one's quite a brief trailer. 
Um, have either of you managed to watch it yet? Not watched it yet. It's definitely one of the ones I want to watch because I'm, I'm keeping a bit of an eye on this game because it looked right up my street. So you, you're looking forward to this game, but you couldn't spare 45 seconds to watch the trailer? No. I haven't done much looking around you are not for the past man. few days. <laughs> so I haven't seen it myself either. All I'm hearing is excuses, Anthony. I'm back in the office. I'm commuting again. So am I. I still watched it. You're back after you commuting, yet you sit in the office and message us a Scott the other day. So the trailer, it's a pretty brief trailer. It's just showing off some of the fighting styles of the characters. So you've got Leonardo, which, surprise, surprise, seems to be the balanced boring character one. of the lot. Yeah. Or the boring one. You've got Raphael, who is objectively the best Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle of the lot. Objectively, you're wrong. Uh, objectively, I'm right. And he seems to be more a one-on-one damage dealer by the looks of it. You've got Michelangelo, which seems to be the agility-style character. And then Donatello seems to be the crowd control. The one that no one so likes. It does look like they will play off each other quite well. Things they feel. You say the one that no one likes for Don, but I can see you being the crowd control person, just jumping in there and just taking all of our kills as we try to fight them. No, I'm going Mikey. He'll go Mikey because he's got the high agility to get in there and get the kills. That and these are the best. Not, not his own kills, other people's kills is what I mean. We're at the other end of the screen fighting and Phil shoots across and take our kill. Is that what you're saying? That and Mikey is the best turtle. Yeah, no, in all fairness, Michelangelo is the best turtle. Yeah. After Raphael. Whatever. And Leonardo. But and I'm just Donatello. saying right now, Anthony, I'm going Whatever Mikey. that weird female turtle was from Phil, the TV show. I fought you for it. And Spike. Okay, so he's definitely the sixth best turtle <laughs> out of the series. <laughs> Me and Phil talking smack talking. Barry's enlisted in the, the, the <laughs> <laughs> rankings of the turtles. And characters in it. Again, this is another game where we haven't got a concrete release date. So we're just going to have to sit there waiting for more scraps to be fed us about the title. But again, I, another one I'm really excited about. That and we've we've had some brilliant titles from the developers already. So we've got some solid groundwork that we worked on from it. So we can hope for good things. Yes. Are you on about the publisher? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So most notably last year, Streets of Rage 4. Yep. We have a lot of stuff to look forward to. Um, and the last tidbit that we have as well from it is a House of Dead remake as well. Yes. I assume, I hope that you at least one of you's played the original House of the Dead. Yeah, that's where you had the keyboards on the back and you had to type to kill them, wasn't it? Nope, that was Typing of the Dead and that's yeah, no, the second I game. I know it was. House of the Dead was brilliant. I played no, at the that, arcades no. quite a bit. Yes, the, the game you were on about was not House of the Dead. It was House of the Dead 2. Wait a minute, which one was the original House of the Dead? I've played a few of the House of the Dead. House of the Dead is the one that is literally set inside the singular mansion for the majority of the game. Right. So you're on about, if you're thinking about House of the Dead 2, you're on about the one where you start off in the street and you go through the buildings that way, isn't it? 
And like you so, go into like Venice type waterways on the gondolas. Yeah, that that's the second one. Yeah, that's that's two. That was on the Dreamcast, wasn't it? Yes. So I think House of the Dead. Saturn, wasn't it? Sega Saturn, yes. Absolutely yeah. terrible looking port. <laughs> Played okay, but it looked absolutely atrocious. Yeah, then the arcades went a bit bonkers, and you got shotguns and Uzis. Yeah, see, I myself have only played the arcade versions. Yes, I remember playing House of the Dead 3 with a shotgun and getting three or four <laughs> stages into it, and I was like, just kill me, my arms are killing me. <laughs> I, there, there was no way I was letting my character die, but I was secretly wishing... But you just the, died. You know, the cold embrace of death. <laughs> just just <laughs> let me die. From it. Yes. But I, yeah. I remember the House of the Dead games quite fondly. How did play on the Switch? I'm unsure. I'm assuming it's going to be a bit like the House of the Dead pack on the Wii, where you just use the remote as a pointer. So it's it's not going to be the same experience. Yeah, but on the Wii, you had the gun mold that you can slot the controller into. The Switch doesn't that, have that. That's still, that's still just acted as a pointer. No, I know, but it was a lot easier to be able to hold and control it holding the controller at the screen pointing is going to be really unnatural yeah depending on how the way to hold it even with the gun adapter for the week it it weren't playing like a, a normal like the sega saturn stunner guns did on the original house of the devil yeah. saturn yeah it's it's not the same it's probably as close as you're going to get to a light gun game at the moment though i'm apprehensive yeah unfortunately with crt's going light gun games aren't really a thing anymore, which is a shame. It is. Yeah. I love the light gun game. I remember having one for the original PlayStation, and I absolutely loved it. Which one was that? Uh, time Crisis? Yes, I'm pretty certain it was one of the Time Crisis games. It seems like the most likely, because that was the most prevalent one on yeah. the PlayStation. If he said, I can't remember, but it was absolutely insane, I was going to say Point Blank. Oh yeah, Point Blank was a look at really this. popular one. Well, you'd know if it was Point Blank because you had the weird explorer with a hat and you had to do loads of little weird type mini games. Whereas at Time Crisis, yes. Point Blank actually had an RPG mode in it. Did it? Yeah. You used to control your character around by shooting where you wanted them to go and all sorts. And instead of random battles, you'd go into the battle, but it'd be a random mini game. Right. I, just, I, just, I never played too much of it, but I do remember it being really zany. Um, I was definitely more on the uh, Time Crisis front. I think the last light gun games I had were for the Dreamcast. I've got House of the Dead 2 and Confidential Mission, which is kind of a spiritual successor to Virtua Cop. I, I still remember thoroughly enjoying Lethal Enforcers, as much <sighs> as you may not have. It was I did have Point Blank. Point Blank. I had Point Blank and Time Crisis. I remember right. having both of these games. Right. But no, they were as the big soon tech. as I saw the art style and the characters, I'm like, yes, I had that game. Second I saw it. Um, but I enjoyed uh, those sort of games. Unfortunately, this is the reason why I want to see RT TV. Just, just to relive these titles. Yeah. Well, there is someone work. There was a few people actually working on ways of getting light gun style games working on modern TVs, isn't there? Yes, I believe there is one gun called the Sindon gun, which is compatible with LCD screens. And 
that console that we've mentioned in the past, the Polymega, they are planning on releasing a light gun that should be compatible with modern screens as well. Okay, see, so interesting. It'd be nice to, to have them back. Absolutely. Unfortunately, they're not cheap. Mm. I believe the only one that I know that's been released is the Sindon light gun. And I'm sure that's over £100 per gun. Bloody hell. Doesn't it, need, doesn't it need crazy laser arrays setting up around your screen as well? Because it pinpoints using the the lasers and where they, you break the laser effectively. Um, not that I'm aware of. I think it works I'm by using a border around the game so it can track right. it. Right. It does mean that if you play a emulated, say, Virtua Cop or Point Blank, you can still use it. Right. Obviously, I'm guessing the reason why the light guns nowadays for LCD TVs would be so expensive is because not many people would use them or are using them. If a big load were made that weren't so hard to make it so it did work with LCD TVs and a big minority of people would buy them, it might be wouldn't be so expensive, but I guess because it would be such a niche market to use them and because of the complexity of it working it's where the shortfall calls no it's just because it's sudden difficult they had a way of tracking where you were shooting by the scan lines as they went along on uh, old yeah. tv so an old crt telly is drawn from top to bottom side and it goes along line by line whereas modern tellies are progressive so it updates the entire image in one go so yeah. straight away, that that's broken how these games tended to work. I think we, we've talked about this before, and I think where that style of game is really going to find its places on VR. Yeah, absolutely. Because VR, it's inherently cheaper if you take into consideration the cost of the VR headset compared to the cost of a console or a PC. I've got a £300 Oculus Quest. I can jump into VR, this big, expansive world, and start playing a game like Robo Recall. Brilliant game. And you're a lot more involved in that than looking at a flat screen. Yeah. Plus, it allows you to do different things, like rip the heads off robots and rip them limb from limb, like a sadistic child taking apart an insect just for your own twisted amusement. Now we're getting an insight to Barry's mind. Get out now. Yeah, I definitely need counselling. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but well, we're pretty much coming towards the end of our gaming-related stuff. But just before we came on, I did spot there is a seven-minute-long Mortal Kombat clip. Have either of you two seen it? No. Well, I've not managed to find 45 seconds. Never mind seven minutes. Well, yeah, that's a fair point. So they have actually put up the first seven minutes of the new Mortal Kombat movie, which I believe is out at the end of the week. And well, it, looks, go watch it. it looks pretty good. A lot better than Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but that was a pretty low bar. I was going to say, you want to set the bar pretty low there? <laughs> <laughs> not much to lift up to. No, this... Not an awful lot happens in it. So it shows... A scene that's been shown an awful lot throughout the different Mortal Kombat games where the Link Way kill Scorpion's family. So 
there's a little bit of fighting in it, and what little fighting there is is brutal. Which way you want from Mortal Kombat? Absolutely. Yes. So I am I am excited to watch this. I just need cinemas to be open, to be honest, well, so I can yeah, actually go I mean, and watch a... it on the big screen. I would say we can it... go watch it together, but I ain't going to have it. We can't. Well, yeah, that's the problem. Can't touch distance, there... just one seat away from each other. Is there any news on where it's going to be shown? Is it going to be streamed on anything? I or? think I might have seen that it was going to be streamed on HBO, but I may also have just completely made that up. <laughs> it is talking about coming to cinemas, though. Okay. So it is intending to at least be shown on the big screen. That's going to depend on when cinemas open wherever you are. Yes, I say in the UK, unfortunately, we should start opening back up over the next month or seventeenth of May. What we should be opening up the cinemas. Yes, again. yeah, that's if everything goes to plan. If big if. Sorry, I made a mistake. It's actually this Friday that the movie is coming out, so oh. it'll actually be out before this podcast. So the movie's out. Well, yes. <laughs> through, through the miracle of time travel, the movie is actually out when you are listening to this. Yeah, make sure you watch it. Don't miss it. Well, yeah. Um, I, I just want to, well, one, get out of the house, but two, get out of the house and watch this movie. It would be nice. Yeah, I'm missing the cinema. I never thought I'd actually miss being robbed in broad daylight. <laughs> £12 for an ice cream. Ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Definitely go and watch the seven minute clip. I'd say it's not an awful lot happens on it. It's more setting the tone for the movie, though. I think with that, are we finished for the day? I believe so. I'd like to say thanks for making time, especially you, Anthony. I know you're possibly sleep deprived at the moment. And for everyone listening, if you'd like to see any information about anything that's been discussed in this episode, with the exception of the Soldier Boy console, because I do have standards, they're pretty low, but I do have standards, you can <laughs> visit us at www.retrogamingdads.co.uk. And if you would like to support the podcast, we would be eternally grateful. You can do this by visiting our Patreon page, where you can actually subscribe for as little as £2.50 per month and get our podcast early. You can visit us at www.retrogamingdads.co.uk forward slash support to find out more.